Welcome to week 11 of Broken Branches Ministries STEM Discipleship Program Podcast. I am Karen Ayers, your host. Marshall and I are honored and humbled to deliver this innovative way of teaching God's word and building disciples. STEM Discipleship Program is dedicated to helping you develop an intimate relationship with God that urges you to grow in your obedience and submission to Christ. The goal of our walk with Christ is as we walk with Him, we become more like Him. So go ahead, pull out your STEM Discipleship Program workbook, grab a pen, and let's dig into this week's lesson. Last week, we studied the Word of God as it relates to us being victors and not victims. We identified the war that believers are in between Satan and us to keep us from fulfilling the purposes that God has placed in us. We identified his tactics, his strategies, and we talked about in order to fight a battle, we must understand our opponent. We also identified the tools and weapons that are available to us as believers that are designed to facilitate a victory over our enemies every time if we would just use them. We also delved into the importance of understanding that we win in the end, and since we win, we should approach our battles as such. A disciple of Christ is one who has chosen to put Christ at the center of his or her life and become disciplined in the things of God, such as praying, meditating, memorizing scriptures, and spending quality time with God, not only for oneself, but in order to tell others about Christ. The journey from salvation to discipling others should incorporate progressive growth, not only our individual growth, but the growth of those we disciple. And we'll get more into helping others in this walk with Christ next week. This week, spiritual growth is the focus. So what is growth in general? According to Webster's, growth is the process of developing or maturing physically, mentally, or spiritually. It does not indicate a final destination, but it illuminates the series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end, the process. Marshall and I have often said, as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. So let's take a look at the natural progression of growth of a human and parallel it to the spiritual growth of a believer in order to uncover some nuggets and truth around our walk with Christ. Turn to page 131 in your STEM Discipleship Workbook to take notes on spiritual growth. Now, as a therapist, I do a lot of work with people who have been traumatized. And part of my initial assessments is that I'll take a look at the individual's experience during their birth, their early childhood development, and their overall progression as they developed from infancy to adulthood. I pay pay particular attention to any issues that stunted their growth, such as the introduction of drugs in their system while they're in their mother's wounds, the type of delivery they may have had, and whether or not they met their developmental milestones like crawling, walking, and talking on time. 
I also inquire about any trauma they may have experienced as a child that may have affected their development into adulthood. I'm searching to see if their individual process of development is normal or abnormal. I'm looking to see if this 30-year-old man I will be treating is at the mental, intellectual, and emotional developmental age of a 30-year-old, or is there some sort of deficit present? Has he experienced something that stunted his growth, or was it the lack of experience of a thing that left him nursing wounds longer than necessary? If there is some sort of deficit that this young man has, I have to take that into account of what treatment would look like. I may have to adjust the words that I speak to make sure he understands what I'm saying. I may have to ask the same questions different ways in order to get a full understanding of who he is. So as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. Babes in Christ or spiritually immature Christians cannot comprehend deeper things of God. Just like we progress in age and hopefully in, hopefully in maturity as human beings, there should also be a natural progression that flows like a river and is not stagnant like a pond when it comes to our spiritual development. As parents, our infants are completely dependent upon us. They are dependent on us feeding them, bathing them, changing them when soiled, and even making sure that they are safe by how we handle them, holding their our hands behind their heads and being gentle with them. This is the same thing with people who have just received Christ. This is the same thing that they experience. They are dependent on mature believers, some call them spiritual mothers or fathers, to care for them spiritually by teaching them truths, encouraging them, and correcting them in love when necessary. Infants grow into children when they become stronger to do more things on their own, but still need the watchful eye and the care of their parents. Think about a child when they first learn how to walk. They're excited. They're running all over the place, exploring and asking all kind of why questions, why this, why that. They want to know about everything. They're curious and desire answers to help them grow intellectually. During this time, attachments are created based on the exposure that the child has to their caregiver and to others around them. If questions are answered and they are received with love and care, they grow into adolescents that have secure attachments and who have confidence. The same is true with the new believer. And they're looking for miracles. They're expecting God to show up in various ways. They're searching for answers to their questions and they're desiring a close relationship with God. If they are taught the truths of the word of God in an environment that is nurturing and is non-judgmental and it displays unconditional love, they will thrive and grow in the things of God. However, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, Paul instructs the believers in Corinth this way. 
He says, brothers and sisters, do not be children, immature, childlike in your thinking. Be infants in matters of evil, completely innocent and inexperienced, but in your minds be mature adults. In the Amplified Bible, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, we find these words that suggest progress in spiritual maturity. It says, therefore, let us get past the elementary stage in the teachings about the Christ, advancing on to maturing and perfection and spiritual completeness, doing this without laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So now during adolescence years, there's a more independence, right? There's more freedom for free will to be activated. You know, we talked about the babes and the babes needing, you know, to be walked and and cared for and watched over and kind of told what to do and what to expect and all of this. But as they get a little older, they are learning to be free thinkers. They're learning. Their minds are changing, right? So in teen years, it's a time when you know, your hormones are all over the place and a lot of change happens. This is a particularly difficult time for some adolescents in trouble arises. Parents may divorce during this time. Bullying may happen. Um, First heartaches occur. Pressures from peers and social media increases. And the result is sometimes rebellion, alienation, and confusion. If these teens were not prepared for the trials and tribulations that show up during this natural developmental stage, these once confident children can find themselves unsure and questioning everything. They are children and they are not quite adults. They're in the middle. They're stuck into this place that's very confusing. It is a very volatile time. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. I spent the last three to four weeks talking to you about the schemes, the strategies, and the plots of the enemy, and how he will attack your thinking, your desires, and your emotions to pull you away from God and institute mechanisms of confusion and strife in your lives. This time was spent not only to prepare you, but also to teach you how to fight against these attacks. So what I'm going to call is a so-called teenage year of spiritual growth. They're riddled with trials and tribulations. This is the in-between stage of spirituality um, that is between you first learning about Christ and receiving him as your Lord and Savior and until you get to spiritual maturity. So in this stage, it's very volatile like it is for teenagers in the natural because it can either draw one closer to the cross or away from the cross depending on the individual's connection to a church family and the presence or absence of spiritual accountability and mentorship. The spiritual teenager has been excited about spiritual growth and once craved pure spiritual milk. 
This is how it is put in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 1 through 3. When he speaks to church members who were scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, which is what we know today as modern-day Turkey. And it says this, it says, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Mm. So right there, it's growth. Verse 2 says, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. So that means that there is a an experience that is not full. It goes on to say, cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So let's go back into the word and let's take a look at scripture that tells us what purpose spiritual maturity serves. In 1 Corinthians um, chapter 11, verse 1, Paul is encouraging the church of Ephesus to imitate him just as he imitates Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 tells us to imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Verse 2 says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice, a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So as we grow spiritually, we become more Christ-like. So you're saying, Karen, okay, why is this important? It's important because it is God's desire for us to not be a babe in Christ the rest of our lives. He doesn't want us dependent on others to tell us about their relationship with God and the revelation God has given them. Remember the beginning of this discipleship program, we're talking about the importance of hearing the Holy Spirit's voice, tuning your ear to the Holy Spirit yourself so that you're getting your own revelation. The entire STEM discipleship journal is designed to have you tune in to what the word of God is saying to you and what your response to the to the Holy Spirit is going to be. So this is what God desires, right? He desires for us to have this personal relationship with him and through this personal relationship grow in the knowledge of him continuously so that our process of growth can transform us into Christ-likeness. And this Christ-likeness helps in building the body of Christ. Look at what Colossians chapter 1 verses 24 through 29 says to uncover another purpose of spiritual growth aside from being becoming more like Christ. This is how it reads in the Message Bible. It says, I want you to know how glad I am that it's me sitting in this jail and not you. This is Paul speaking. There's a lot of suffering to be entered into this. There's a lot of suffering to be entered into in this world. 
the kind of suffering Christ takes on. I welcome the chance to take my share in the church's part of that suffering. When I became a servant in this church, I experienced this suffering as a sheer gift, God's way of helping me serve you, laying out the whole truth. Verse 26, this mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. So what Paul is saying is that we grow in our knowledge of the truths of God, his love, how he operates, so that we can tell others how to receive Christ how to triumph through trials and be presented perfect before God. Verse 28 in the New Living Translation says this, So we will tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 15 broadens this concept of spiritual maturity again to highlight its connection with the entire body of Christ. This is what it says in the Amplified Bible. And his gifts to the church were varied and he himself appointed some as apostles who are special messengers, representatives, some as prophets, those who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. Verse 12, and he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints who are God's people for works of service to build up the body of Christ, which is the church until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, which is manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Verse 14, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine by the cunning and trickery, what does that sound like, Satan, of unscrupulous men by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth. Let us grow up 
in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies. When each part is working properly, it causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. Our spiritual maturity has everything to do with us getting to a stable place in our relationship with God that we are able to disciple others without being moved by the changes that surround us daily in the circumstances of life. Spiritual maturity is a process. It is a compounding of experiences that strengthens our confidence in God as we have a history of God's goodness to look back on. Each of the trials and tribulations that are experienced during the teenage years of spiritual growth were used to refine us to reflect Christ's likeness and maturity if only we would allow the Holy Spirit to work through those things. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4, we've seen this before. It instructs believers in how to face trials. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kinds. Verse 3 says, because you know that the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. So there's a purpose behind your faith being tested. Let perseverance finish its work. Let says that we have control over it. Let means that we cannot uh, we can stop, turn our back on it, and, and, and abort the mission. But it's saying, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials are to be faced, guys, not avoided, in order to pass the test and for maturity to develop. If you're in school and you have to take an exam, if you... Don't pass the test. You have to take it over. It may not be the same exact test with the same exact questions. There will be similar questions that are there to test the same knowledge, but they're given to you differently. So that may, in real life, that may look like dealing with a, a particular type of individual as a companion, which is not good for you. But we couldn't learn that lesson the first time, so we end up um, doing the pattern over and over again until we finally realize, you know what? This dude, this young lady, they, they just don't have the characteristics and the qualities that I need in my life for me to, to live a purpose-driven life. And so we have to pass the test. When Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 1, verses 9, we find Paul telling the people of Colossae that he has been continually praying for them and asking God to fill them with knowledge of his will and through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. In verse 10 and 11, he tells why. He says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, 
Verse 11 says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Second Peter chapter one, verses three through eight further elaborates on our walk with God into Christ likeness being a progression a process by which we are added to the experience and not becoming complacent in a spiritual journey. It reads like this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse four, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that Through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Verse 5 says, for this very reason, here it is, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love verse 8 4 if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ so what it's saying here is that we have to in an increasing method we have to add to its mo- its addition. We're adding to it. You know, as a licensed therapist, every two years, I have to have a certain number of continuing education hours. And that's basically, you know, since I um, got my license, they want us to make sure that we're on the cutting edge of what's going on in counseling and interventions and all of that. So they want us to stay up to date on things that make our jobs more effective. So this is what Peter was suggesting to the teenage Christian in his or her journey towards maturing. He says a stagnant, a non-growing Christian is unproductive and ineffective in bringing others to the body of Christ. Wow. God is looking for us to be established. First Peter chapter five, verse 10 in the ink, The English Standard Version reads like this. It says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Suffering and trials strengthens us and establishes us spiritually so that we can reflect what Psalms 1 verses 1 through 3 depicts. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this law day and night. Verse 3, very key. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. 
a tree can stand in the same place for hundreds of years. It does it doesn't it's not uprooted easily. Their roots go down deep and wide. It's stable. God wants us to be stable. He wants us to be mature. He wants us to be established. And when we are stable, we are becoming mature or adult Christians. You know, we talked about the babies. We talked about about the teenagers. And now we're talking about the adult, the mature Christians, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, as Ephesians 4 and 14 puts it. We must be secure in our faith and believe in God. Throughout this last week, we're just talking about things that the believer must do. It's certain things that we must believe before we can even fight a battle. So we must be secure in our faith. We must believe in God, believe in Jesus' death, his burial and his resurrection so that we can tell others about our journey with confidence. We can't witness to others and tell our testimony if we are unsure of any part of the process ourselves. We must grow up in the faith and mature so that our testimonies will be received in a way that empowers others and draws them closer to Christ. What Paul was talking about being effective. So turn, if you will, to page 132 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook. As we discuss testimonies, we all have at least one. A testimony is a public declaration of our experience and or our encounters with God. It is a story of where we were before we found Christ and what happened to us along the way. In our testimonies, others can see themselves and in seeing themselves, they find hope. We will be working on your testimony this week, as well as next week. Remember, this is a discipleship program. It's designed to strengthen your relationship with God by putting him in the center and learning to yield to his will and not our own. We have been learning through this process to yield to self and to make way for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to help us, to mature us as we produce fruits of the Spirit and as we demolish the acts of the flesh. And in this process, transformation happens from conforming to the world to being transformed by the renewing of our minds to think like Christ thinks. Trials happen and we triumph with God's help and the reward of riches and glory awaits us for sticking to God's plan. But tangible and concrete things happen along the way. And these are the details of our testimony. I want you to really take some time and think about the questions that are outlined on pages 133 and 134 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook. And they are designed to help you formulate a testimony that you can bullet and present to non-believers or babes in Christ that you may encounter and disciple. Can you remember what your life was like and your attitude 
before you followed Christ. For some, they may have felt like they were self-made. You know, I did all this on my own and I accomplished everything I have. I, I, I made it happen myself. I make it shake. If you look closely to life before Christ, I'm sure you will see a pattern of selfishness that's kind of entwined in the story. Selfishness, self-centeredness, self-righteousness, things that was only about us and things that we felt that we were in control of ourselves. So now, I want you to think about how did you come to realize that God was speaking to you? Was it through a person? Was it an encounter? Was it a loss? Was it an illness? Jot down the specifics around your first hearing God speak to you. How did you become a Christian? Where were you? Who was with you? What role did that person play or continue to play in your life as a new believer? Did they bring you to Christ and leave you? How did you grow? What did your growth and development look like? What happened along the way? What were some of your challenges, those speed bumps or detours that you encountered along the way? How did you get through them? Then I want you to write at the bottom of page 134, what being a Christian means to you today. How has your life changed? How do you now face challenges? Remember, we never fully accomplish spiritual maturity. It's an ongoing process for even the most seasoned believers. Pastors, prophets, evangelists, and the like are still growing in the knowledge of God. So don't get it. Don't think that they have all the answers. They don't. It's an ongoing process. And with us always developing and always growing so we can be effective. On page 135 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook, I want you to take a look at your life honestly. And I want you to jot down um, some practical things that you can do to continue growing closer to God. Is it being consistent in your quiet and steady time? Is it exercising more self-control in your life? or forgiving others faster? What can you do to not become stagnant? How can you make sure that you're that river that's flowing and continue to grow and not a pond that is sitting still, going nowhere, and being ineffective in the body of Christ? It's really important for you to figure this part out because if you become stagnant, again, you will be ineffective in the body of Christ. Your salvation was for your soul. When you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, that was to save your soul. Now your continued growth is for the souls of others. Now I really hope that this lesson today encouraged you to keep pushing, to keep growing, to... Now that you've had a relationship with God and you've grown closer and more intimate with him during this process, to step outside of yourself and see that your continued growth is to be able to be effective 
and your witness to other people. Because as a disciple, our job is to go forth, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and telling them about Christ, giving them the good news. That is our job as a believer. So I hope that you will continue to move and you continue to grow and you will use those trials and tribulations not as stopping points or stop signs, but as a yield sign to pause and understand what the lesson is in the trial that God wants you to learn or the test that he wants you to pass pass so that you can move on into spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is the result of perseverance. Now the scriptures you'll be studying and meditating on this week are Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 as well as verses 9 through 11, Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 16, 2 Peter verse 3 I'm sorry, chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Psalms, chapter 119, verses 137 through 144. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 31 through 34. And Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5. Let's pray. Father God, help us to continue to crave and hunger for spiritual nourishment daily as we are doing so with our physical bodies, just as they, our physical body desires food, Lord. Help us to grow up and to have stable living and stable thinking as it relates to our relationship with you. Help us, Father, to develop characteristics of a spiritually mature person who is able to have disciplined speech, who's able to not live by their feelings, who can consistently walk on this journey with you, who are we're also consistent in our disciplines of praying and, and studying your word and memorizing scripture, Lord God. Help us to exhibit humility and be difficult to offend. Father, we know it's a process. Help us to stay in the game until the end so that you can effectively help us with each layer of spiritual growth that we will encounter. Father, we thank you for it, Father. We love you, we exalt you, and we honor you for using us through our testimonies to bring other people to you. So have your way in our lives, Lord God. We trust you, we love you, and we exalt you. In Jesus' name, amen.